Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 42. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hey everyone, today's a great day. I'm going to be doing an interview with the amazing Tess Brigham, who's been a uh, colleague and has really become a friend over the years. She's incredible. So she's a licensed psychotherapist. She's an LMFT and she's a board certified coach and she specializes in helping 20-somethings discover their unique life path so they can go out into the world and make an impact. Um, And I have to tell you, so at age Age 27, I'm going to give a little background before we go to the interview. When she was 27, Tess was one of those people who seemed to have it all. She was a top Hollywood junior talent manager. Uh, you know, and she talks about how on the in- inside things just felt empty and pointless. And so she took this huge risk. She quit her job and rebuilt a career and a life she loved. She uh, moved from LA back to the Bay Area. And where she was raised most of her life. And she ended up, you know, going to counseling school and getting her degree. And now she helps, you know, other early career professionals navigate that same quarter life crisis process. And so at this point, with over 15 years of experience, Tess has helped literally thousands of people find their purpose, develop their confidence, and create a life they're excited about living, which isn't always easy with 20 somethings, as a lot of you know. So, uh, you know, identifying their issues is one thing, but taking action to get past them is quite another. And Tess definitely has that rare combination of being a trained psychotherapist and a certified coach. So it makes her really uniquely qualified to help 20-somethings find, you know, the clarity uh, so that they can confidently discover their path and and go make that impact they want to make on the world. So without further ado, I'm going to... Uh, go to the interview with Tess. So I'm so excited to be here with my friend and colleague, Tess Brigham. And uh, welcome to the show, Tess. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, couldn't couldn't wait to have you on the show. And uh, talking about launching your 20-somethings is huge for so many uh, people in my community. Uh, and for those of you with younger kids, you know, or even middle school or high school listening to this, this is really good time uh, to be talking about all this. And so, you know, it's springtime, we're looking towards, you know, a lot of kids graduating uh, and moving on. So this is, this is just a great time. So uh, before we step in too far into this, I just test, tell me, take a few minutes and just say how you started doing this work. Um, well, I didn't intend to, it wasn't my original intention. I originally thought I was going to work with teenage girls and their parents, because that's what I was doing. And I opened up a practice, a therapy practice in San Francisco. And all of a sudden, 20 something women, primarily women started showing up. And I had heard about these, this was a while ago. So I heard about these evil millennials. And I was like, wait a minute, they're not evil. They're awesome. They're great. And what I noticed was that a lot of the issues that were coming up for teenage girls and their parents, they were happening for these 20 somethings, but just in a different way. It was, they were already out on their own, but still really struggling with life. And when I started researching this, um, this generation, I started to understand that millennials are caught in what I call a perfect storm. And we can talk about this, Mm -hmm. but so I became really fascinated by this group of people. And the more I study them, the more I am so passionate about really helping 20 somethings, you know, launch into life that I think that how you, how how you see your 20 something years, how the things that you do during that time, the things that you learn about yourself, they are so valuable. It's the foundation of everything. And imagine what the world could be like if we really have strong, um, confident, clear 20 somethings that go into their thirties, their forties, their fifties, and just a different place. So that's how I became passionate about this group. I love it. And uh, I, I also love that you work with parents. I feel like you're a translator <laughs> between the, the kind of two generations. And I know that um, I've sent families to you over the years and uh, parents of, of struggling with their kids. And uh, it, you just have that great way of working with the parents too and helping them feel better about their decisions mm-hmm. and what they're doing and getting everyone on the same page. So I love that. Uh, so let's talk about these 20 something years and what's different. Like what, what is it about these 20 somethings? What, why are we all so confused? Well, so the 20 something years for many, many, many years, I mean, I'm generation X and it was during my years. I think it's been like this for a while. It has always been a transitional time for people where you're either you're going to college, maybe you didn't go to college, but you're launching into your life, you've got an apartment, you've got your first apartment, first roommates, first everything. And this is this time where you're really trying to figure out who you are, what you want, what it all, what life means. Um, It used to be when it used to, we used to think that the teenage years were when you sort of like, this is how you find your identity and this is what you're happening with. This is who you are. And you are learning a lot about yourself during your teenage years. The difference is, is that as a teenager, you're still 
you know, in your parents' home, you're still being controlled, you know, they've set the boundaries, the controls, you know that you're going to have dinner, <laughs> you know what's happening. And so this transition into adulthood, you know, you do not have your parents there telling you, telling you to save money for rent, helping you with these different pieces. And so you're really trying to understand who you are as a person. And I always say that the 20 something years are really about learning to trying on lots of different hats, learning to try on, you know, do I like this kind of job? No. Do I like this kind of job? No. Do I like the city? Do I like the country? Do I like dating these kinds of people? Do I not, you know, really you're trying to hone in and figure out what is it that makes you happy? What, what excites you? What kind of people and jobs and careers and lifestyle really makes you feel like you? And we tend to have this attitude where at 18, when you're picking a college major, you should know all of this. And that's not true. So these are the years where you are figuring this out. And this is very, very, it's a very unique time in many, many people's lives. And as we've all known with the statistics that we see, people are waiting longer to get married. People are waiting longer to buy a house that, that the milestones of the 20 something years, 50 years ago, are really milestones of the 30 somethings. Maybe even we're here in the San Francisco Bay Area, maybe even 40 somethings because <laughs> housing prices are so expensive. So, <clears throat> so you're trying to figure out who you are, what you want, what life's all about in these 20 something years. And then on top of that, this is why I said that 20 somethings, millennials especially, are in this perfect storm because the they're trying to figure out who they are and what they want. And at the same time, we live in a world that looks radically different. It, this, the, what 20-somethings are going through today is not what I went through. You know, uh, there are certainly the, the, the trying to figure out who you are and kind of stumbling through things is tr very true. But the world that we live in between internet, social media, um, all of the pressures of go, 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 get it done now. You should have had this done five minutes ago. None of that was present. So with young adults today, they are trying to figure out who they are as people in a world where no one's ever done this before. And we're, and that's why millennials have always gotten so much backlash because every generation has looked at the generation younger and been like, they don't know what they're doing. Who are they? God, they're <laughs> terrible. Right. We've always done this, but we've never had the power to blog about it. We've never had the power to put it on social media. We've never had the power to spread it across the world instantaneously. So now this is why millennials have seen so much backlash and it's still the same. Even generation Z who are now, you know, 20, they're, they're kids, but many of them, the early, early Gen Generation Z people are in their early 20s, and they're a different generation with different attitudes and beliefs, but it's still the same thing. They're still a 20-something before their brain is fully formed, trying to figure out who they are in a world where the, you know, everyone's criticizing them. You know, and I think that's also true, <laughs> and you and I have talked a little because when I was so I had a lot of, you know, same thing, being in my 20s, figuring life out and all that. And I feel like the bar was so different because I didn't know any any other people my age who were millionaires. I didn't know anyone who was a millionaire, uh -huh. <laughs> first of all, let alone this term 
billionaire. What the hell is that? I don't even know. I, I don't think I'd even heard of that. Uh, and so I, I feel like the expectations are so different. I know it's much harder to get into college now. But I'm not going to go into the scandal that just happened. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I joke all the time that I couldn't have gotten into an Ivy League school, you know, I, I couldn't have done it because I hadn't, I had I, I only had good grades. I didn't, you know, create an app or cure cancer or, you know, do all these other things that sort of are expected today with how unbelievably competitive it is. And again, I didn't have that bigger world where I could see everything, just mm -hmm. see all this wealth and see all these people living this other life. That, that wasn't really something in my face every day. Yeah. And now it is. And I think that the pressure is different. Do you agree with that? Like that there's somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I probably couldn't have gotten into the college that I went to either um, because I had good grades, good SATs. I did all the things, but I wasn't special. I didn't do anything that was amazing and wonderful. Absolutely. That the bar to get into college and navigating college is, is so radically different. And the other piece of it too is when I was in my 20s and I was looking around at all my friends, all my friends didn't have money. No one had money. Right. No one was doing really well. I mean, maybe you'd have one random friend who like had a, a stockbroker friend or something. <laughs> maybe they were making a bunch of money. But especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, we were all struggling. We were all doing it. Yeah. And you didn't see it. And even if you did, you maybe saw a celebrity here and there, a child actor, and you knew that they made a bunch of money, but it wasn't in your face that what's happened is because of social media, yes, we're able to scroll and find and follow the lives of millionaires, billionaires, and compare ourselves, but we're also scrolling and comparing ourselves to each other. And we're painting, we all know this, we paint a false world on social media of, I'm winning, I'm awesome, look at me, I'm in Bali, <clears throat> this is my, you know, this is, I got engaged. You know, we're really... We, we have these Instagram feeds that are just all the good, the highlights of our lives. Mm -hmm. And even though, and I know for myself that even I, at my age, I look on people's social media feeds and go, God damn, you know, I get mad. <laughs> like, how, what, what, why are they in Australia? Like, I need to be in Australia. You know, you get uh -huh. into that headspace where you start to doubt everything that you do and have. But if I'm doing it, imagine being... 22, 23, where you're really trying to figure out who you are, what you like, what you want, what's everything that makes you happy. And then you go on social media and you scroll and you go, well, maybe Bali would make me happy. Maybe mm -hmm. raising alpacas will make me happy. It's just <laughs> this constant feed of, of people living fabulous lives, people your own age making tons of money and choices, limitless choices of yeah. things that you can do. I, I keep thinking that, you know, when my, when my mom, so we're not, I'm just talking about my mother, not like my great, 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 great grandmother or something. But when my mother was looking at jobs, which wasn't even that common in those days for women to even work, but you know, the options who she became a teacher, that was one of the options. So did mine. <laughs> it went right. It was teacher, librarian, phone nurse, operator, yeah. which doesn't even exist anymore. And maybe nurse, maybe. And that was it. So the choices were so limited. And mm. now it's, it's so huge. I can see why they just get, you know, 20 somethings get really so overwhelmed. So, um, okay. So I want to move us into then what happens to parents because <laughs> we're doing it all differently too. 
Yeah. It, it's, it's all new for us. And parenting our children the way my parents parented me is not going to work. Um, and uh, one of my favorite stories is my 12-year-old daughter complaining that she didn't have a cell phone and, you know, getting upset because all her friends have one and then saying to me, well, wh- how old were you when you got a cell phone? And I said, 32. <laughs> and, because these weren't things that were around. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's up with parents now and how, how do they deal and how are they different? Yeah. Well, and just just as the 20-somethings millennials are forging new territory, so are the parents. You know, I also want to acknowledge that uh, the parenting books and what's been out there, no one's really writing about this. No one's really talking about this particular thing. Um, And so parents are left to try to figure out on their own, okay, how do I, I, I'm looking at the world today and I see what's happening, but how do I also parent my kid? And a lot of parenting is looking at what your parents did and didn't do, what you liked and what you didn't like. And you're not able to, with some of these issues that are coming up, right? No one's really talking about in parenting books 20 years ago, how do you deal with when they get a cell phone? So I always say with parents that, and I'm a parent myself, which is that parents tend to, we tend to blame ourselves. We always, when our kids are struggling, when things aren't going well, when they're having a hard time, we always look to ourselves of what did I do wrong? You know, what, what's wrong with me that my child is struggling and that so much of this, of parenting a 20 something is really around you do not blame yourself. You now have a new role in their lives. And the example that I use is that when your kid was younger, you were the CEO of their life. You ran everything. That everything that happened, you touched upon. You knew where they were going. You knew who their friends were. You knew, um, you know, what the food primarily that they were eating. You, you just ran it. You ran the show. You had your hands in everything. And when your child becomes a 20-something, when they're out on their own, especially when they come back home, you're no longer the CEO. You're now the consultant. You're a consultant, a coach for your child. And the role of a consultant is not to tell them what to do and how to do it. It's really about taking a step back, looking at the situation and, you know, appraising it, giving some advice sharing some knowledge, but really letting the, the, your kid or the company in this, in this example do it on their own and figure it out on their own. Um, so <clears throat> for parents, they really need to come into this with this thinking of, okay, I'm not the CEO anymore. I'm a consultant. So how do I want to show up for my kid? what's going to make the most sense. Um, and, and in uh, a book that I wrote, I talk a lot about this idea of really starting with yourself, that before you go get into your kids and how to help them, you really prep yourself and make sure that you're in the best pace, place you can be in order to parent your now 20-something child. I love that. So, and that's, actually a perfect segue to where I want to go next, which is, um, so 
what do you, you know, how do you prep? How do you get ready? And so if your child leaves and comes back or mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be this, I think I really want you to speak to also if they never leave or if yeah. they, you know, it's very common these day, days to go to a community college, you know, to a JCC and um, do things that way. So maybe they're living at home, but they've graduated high school, you know, mm-hmm. so whether they're coming home, you know, after college or maybe cause they, uh, I just, met with someone the other day who left after, you know, the, fir- the first semester of college away and ended up coming back. It just wasn't a good fit. So mm-hmm. uh, what do you do in either of those situations? Like what's the next steps? Well, the next steps are to, you first want to stop and think about what is it that's, you know, how do you need to take care of yourself? I always start with you. Let's start with you and what you need and what you want. So you're not going to blame yourself. You're not going to beat yourself up. That's not going to solve the problem that you want to stop and think about your own self-care. And you also want to set an intention for yourself of how you want to be with your kid. So when I talk about self-care, what it is, is that as a parent, you, you, you know, very much so the minute your child is born, it's like, it's not about you. Nothing's about you. You know, you, you, your kid eats before you eat, they get the things they want before you want. So you're in, what's so hard is, is whether your kid went off to college and came back or whether they're still there is that they're, they're, your kid is now becoming an adult and which means that you don't need to be, and you shouldn't be so hands-on mm-hmm. and that the shift, which I think is really hard for a lot of parents, the shift now needs to become off of them and onto you and onto your wants and needs and what's important to you. And while you, you might feel like, Oh gosh, but you know, I'm putting myself first. That feels a little awkward and you might feel a little guilty. It truly is the best thing for your kid at this time that for you to continue to sacrifice your own wants and needs in front of them at this point, isn't serving you and it isn't serving them because they're an adult, they're becoming an adult. And so the relationship is starting to shift and that's a big piece of it. So I always tell parents, you really have to look at your own life. What are you doing to take care of yourself? And when I say set an intention, it's really around, well, my kid's now an adult or becoming an adult. And so how do I want to be with them? How do I want to, and I know I'm sure you've talked a lot about setting intentions on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Uh, really <laughs> sort of like what kind of relationship do I want to have with my kid? What am I hoping to see happen for them? What do I, you know, how much involvement do I want to have and not have? I think that there's been, you know, we talk about all these different kind of parenting, helicopter parenting and tiger moms and all this kind of stuff, but you know your kid well. You know what kind of parent you need to be for them at this time. And so it's really learning to set the intention of how do I want to show up with my kid? How do I want to feel? about these things? How, how do I want to, um, how much do I want to invest and not invest in what they're doing or not doing? And that's, that's an individual thing because that's for you to figure out on your own what makes sense to you. I love that because I talk, I do talk so much about setting intention within couples, you know, and uh, how do you, 
really be thoughtful about, you know, walking in, I want to be patient, I want to be kind, I, you know, gentle, compassionate, whatever, whatever that is, or fun or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something to really think about as you're kind of shifting again from that CEO to consultant role, uh, that you could be more fun, <laughs> you really could, you know, or, or mm -hmm. whatever that is. And I think, um, I know for myself, cause I tend to be a little controlling, um, you know, letting go of that control and figuring that out, I think is going to be pretty huge, you know, yes. uh, and it always is even now, you know, as they're growing up, figuring out how to shift. Yes. Um, so I know I love that idea though. I don't think I ever thought of that before with, you know, to have that with our children too, to have this intention of how we want to be in this next stage, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're transitioning to something else. What do, what do I really want that to look like? What's my goal? What's my end game? Cause that's going to help with what I do, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to help me kind of set up how, how I act and what I do. I love, I love that. I think that's so great. So are there some, um, in the market for investment worthy bags, watches and fine jewelry, rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. very specific things to do to prep other than that for when kids are coming home or as you're transitioning uh -huh. into? Absolutely. I mean, the more important than uh, that's very, very important. But another very important piece of this is, especially if your kid is coming back home and don't, don't worry if your kid is home right now and you haven't done this, you can still do it, which is really thinking about, I call it a home contract, but it's, it's important to, for you and your partner, whomever else is living in the house, um, that's an adult that the two of you should have a real idea of if my kid's coming home, how long are they going to stay? What, what's comfortable to us? Um, what does it look like once they're home? Are they going to, you know, are you, what are you, if they're over 21, are you okay with them drinking in your home or not? Can they have a, someone else spend the night? Um, you know, are you going to let them sort of, are you, do you have set rules in terms of, Hey, you're at my house and I don't, I don't want you coming in at all hours. Like I really need for you to keep these hours or you need to spend the night at a friend really thinking about these pieces of now that your kid's coming back home, what is it, you know, what are your hard yeses and nos in terms of how you need for them to show up and behave? And that's not you being mean or hard. It, it's everybody has house rules. Mm 
So it's really thinking about that. There's the, there's the house rules piece. And then other part of the home contract is really around the financial part. How long are you going to be okay having them live at home? And if they are living at home, um, do you want them to contribute to the household? Uh, if they are working, um, do you, if they're going to live at home as part of the requirement from their job to save a certain amount of money every month towards their own place, um, getting very clear on what's the length of time, how much mental and emotional energy am I going to put into things and how much financial energy and money am I going to put into it? And there's a lot of things to think about and think about that we don't really think about until it's too late and they're home. Though, even if they are home, you can stop and go, okay, they're home, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this now. I'm really going to think about they've been home for five months. I, I really, I, I, I know they can get a job and get out of the house by the end of the year. I'm going to tell them, you know, end of the year. Um, and this is what I want them to, you know, this is how much money I want them to save, or um, this is what I'm willing to pay for and not pay for, uh, all of those things so that your kid can, you know, launch successfully. It's really, really interesting because there have been some, there was a New York Times article which came out last, I think November of last year. And it's really interesting because they did a study with kids who, um, what's better for kids? Is it better for them to go from college right into their own apartment and have parents pay them, pay like supplement for apartments? And we know this, I know this well, being in the Bay Area, right? <laughs> it's really expensive. Um, or is it better for them to come home and live with you? And what they found from this study is it's actually more successful if they go right from college to their own apartment and you help them out financially with things that they can't do. Part of it is, is that when a kid comes home, they're sort of, they're home and it's like, Ooh, this is pretty good. I mean, especially if, especially if you live in a nice house and you yeah. and your kid get along really well mm -hmm. and Hey, there's always food in the fridge and someone's doing my laundry and isn't this good? I mean, why wouldn't they want to go? And what they find from the, what they found from the study was that even kids that were living at home who had jobs, they weren't saving as much money. Mm -hmm. You know, they're sort of living at home and, and going, well, I don't pay rent. So my lifestyle, you look at this, I can spend this money on all these mm -hmm. other things and living at home is great. And why would I leave? And Versus kids who go right into their own apartments and parents are saying, okay, I'll give you $500 a month to supplement that. You know, I know your job doesn't pay that. Now, part of that is there's the financial piece, right? It's very mm -hmm. much not every parent, which I get, has an extra $500, $1,000 a month to give their kid to supplement that. And for some parents, like, well, financially, the best thing I can, the only thing I can really do for them is to have them come home. But and stay with us. But it's really recognizing that home is not it's it's not a it's a pit stop. It's not a permanent place. And that having them having a goal of, OK, by October, I'll get my own place. It's really important because you don't want to make it too cushy. You don't want to make it too easy for them. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's the other part of it too, is don't make it easy for them. Don't do their laundry. You know, everything that they were doing back at college, they can make, they can make their meals. They can do their laundry. They can clean their room. Like all those things they've been doing that for however many years, they yeah. can still do it. They'll, they'll be okay. And what if they uh, just go right to a JCC and, you know, just go from like high school to that and never leave home. 
is it, it's, it's, I guess then at that point, it's like, okay, I'm no longer doing your laundry. I'm no, or we could even maybe prep them in their yeah. teenage years in that way. Right. My kids already do their laundry, but <laughs> <laughs> the kids are well-trained. I, I think that it is, yeah, I think that it's a great conversation to have with your kids where it's like, okay, you're going to the local JC, you're going to live with us at home, but these are the new house rules and these are the expectations and this is what I'm going to do for you and not do for you. And, and really having that conversation with them. And even if they've been home for a couple years, you know, again, just have the conversation that I think people feel like, oh, it's too late. You know, it's, I'm too far in. And awareness is everything. Awareness, you know, you have this awareness now that, that what this, what you're doing right now isn't working. So have a conversation with your kids about what needs to be different? What's going to work and not work? The other thing is your kid might have some things they want to say to you too about like what they need and want. And, and you might find that, oh gosh, my, my kid has been thinking a lot about this and they don't want me to get so involved or intervene or in, in their world so much. I love but that. But I, I do, I understand the, the, tr- I think the transition from you know, high schooler to 18 and now being an adult and all that, it's such a strange time. It's much like 21 in the drinking age. Like we assign these arbitrary ages for things. And that's not really, that's not real for everybody. It's so different for everyone. So some of it is really learning how to recognize who your kid is. You've known them all this time and meeting them where they're at of what they want and need at that time. Oh, that's great. And giving them the support they might need also around that, which might be counseling or something else. Yes. And, and I have also noticed, you know, I think that that whole idea of the home contract and being really specific, um, I had a, a family last year and they they had a whole thing set in place and their, their child was, you know, going to go to J- to the local JC and they did all this work, but they never said how many credits the kid had to take. <laughs> So this kid took two classes and was like, hang it, you know, and it, like, so really remember to get specific about how mm-hmm. many classes does that mean? Uh, you know, how many, if you do have a job, how many hours a week does that have to be? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the more specific and the more clear, the, the clearer it gets and, yeah. and everyone's expectations are set in the right place. I think it's when we just, we assume going to school as this, mm-hmm. this, these parents did meant full time. What else could it mean? And the kid was like, no, I don't want to do that. And so they ended up in a lot and they didn't even realize it till they were sort of into the semester. Mm -hmm. Um, Somehow it didn't, because I said, didn't you notice how much you paid (laughs) that it wasn't, they just didn't, it didn't click in their heads. Like, oh, this is so much cheaper because they're taking two classes. Yeah. Uh, You know, as opposed to something else. So I think that that um, really, really specific, Ness is really yeah. important in all this. Well, and the other thing too is is that in terms of getting a job, you mentioned earlier about how much hour, how many hours a week you work a week. So, right, so many millennials who graduated in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, twenty ten, right when the economy mm-hmm. was really really bad, were really struggling to get jobs, jobs mm-hmm. in their field, and so for many kids, they sort of stay, they stay stuck. And they're just like, well, I can't get a job in my field. I, you know, I studied finance, so I can't get a job in finance. So I'll do nothing. And I think that's the other piece of it too, is as the parent, you know, there are jobs at Starbucks, there's jobs at Pete's, there's always jobs around that they can do. So are you, if, if they try to get a job for four months, five months, and they're not successful, 
what's the expectation? You know, maybe it's, it's saying, Hey, at this point, you're going to need to get a part-time job that'll allow you time to look for a job, but to earn some money Mm -hmm. because that's the other part of it too, is a lot of kids, I see this, that they can't get a job. So they just sort of sit still with it and they're not even trying to get any kind of job. Yeah. Um, And that's really important too, for parents to say, no, 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 you're going to be hustling. You know, you're going to be getting a part-time job and doing something else, Mm -hmm. or we're only going to pay for this X, Y, and Z and they can decide. Right. Right. It has like a natural consequence. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So, and this actually brings me to another piece because I have a lot of parents who come in uh, or write in and they'll, they'll, they call their kids lazy a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hear that a lot that, because uh, again, there is just, it can seem sometimes like there's a different work ethic or this entitlement we hear so much about. And so where is that? How do you know if your kid's entitled slash being, being lazy versus, oh, they really have something else going on that has mm-hmm. to be addressed in some other way? How, how do you know? It's, it is tricky. And I think that the first thing is, is that I wouldn't try not to write it off as one thing or another. If you see your kid on the couch, not, don't assume that they're lazy and that, you know, they're not willing to change or they don't want to change. At the core, everybody wants to launch. Everybody wants to launch. Every kid wants to be on their own and be independent. So you have to realize that. I think it's really looking at, okay, what's really going on with my kid and is it, is it that they're depressed? Is it that they're anxious? Is it that they're possibly abusing drugs and alcohol? And so with depression, what's, what's really big about depression is it's this, this general feeling of feeling hopeless, hopeless in your life, feeling like there's nothing to look forward to, feeling so down and depressed that your kid stops doing the things that they always love doing. Um, you know, they're not going out and seeing their friends. They're sleeping all day long. Um, they're eating a ton or they're not eating at all. Really these, these big changes in their behaviors and habits and things that they say, things that feel like, God, my kid keeps talking about feeling so hopeless in life and recognizing that there is, oh gosh, maybe this is much more than my kid doesn't want to get off the couch. It's that they can't get off the couch and they really need help. And I do think there is a natural, I think everybody has a natural, when you go from high school to college, college to, you know, adulthood, that there is a natural sense of sadness and kind of like, wow, this is a new chapter of my life. This is really hard. A natural sense of anxiety of like, what does it all mean? But again, like I said before, you know your kid well. So you know how they're going to show up. You know what they're like. And if your kid has always been, you know, if he's always gone out and played basketball with his friends, he never says no. And you find that he hasn't done this in weeks. And then that's a real problem. And so now it's time for you. You do have to kind of take a back, you have to backtrack a little bit and get involved and find out, you know, what's going on with you. How can we help you? And having a real talk with your kid and saying, I think something else is going on and helping them get the help that they need, helping them, you know, maybe it is finding a therapist. Maybe it is 
getting them evaluated by a doctor, you might need to take a step back a little bit and be the, be that CEO just for a little bit, just again, because when you're depressed, when you're, when you're, when you're in the midst of a mental health issue, it is so, so hard. The things that you need to do for your depression are the exact opposite of the things that you truly want to do. So when you're depressed, you just want to put the covers over your head and not talk to anyone, but you absolutely have to get out and talk to people and, and make some changes. So you might need to say, Hey, I'm going to, I made this appointment with this psychiatrist. Hey, I made this appointment. Let's go. Let's just go and check it out and we'll see how it goes. And you might have to do that and hold their hand and go and, and, and do that. But I've certainly had many, many parents over the years who are more than happy to pay for their kids therapy, pay for their kids coaching, because they know that their kid financially just can't do it on their own. And they really, really know that this is what their child needs and wants. And anxiety shows up differently than depression. Anxiety is really, um, if you see your kid kind of very keyed up all the time. Again, the sleep is, you know, very little sleep or they seem to be moving a million miles an hour. If they talk and they're talking, they're rambling, you know, they just kind of talk, 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 and it's not going anywhere. If you see them stopping and starting things constantly and, and unable to sit down and relax, then there might be an issue with anxiety. And again, it's the same thing. It's a mental health issue. It's really about sitting down with your kids saying, I noticed these things. Let me help you try to find someone to talk to. The piece, the thing is, is that with anxiety, um, that's one that parents aren't as concerned about because usually they're doing a lot of stuff. It's, yeah. it's the quote unquote laziness of the depression that makes people, um, that makes people uh, a little more concerned. And the other part of it too is, is that then you have to decide if, if you do decide, if you do realize like, oh gosh, like they're not depressed. They're just kind of lazy or they're just not really doing anything. Then maybe part of that is looking at the home contract, looking at how things are going for your kid and asking yourself, is this too simple for them? Is it too easy? Do they not have anything of interest to them? And trying to um, maybe trying to put in some uh, boundaries in place so that they will then go, oh, oh gosh, you know, my mom's not going to do my laundry anymore. And now I've got to get a job. And I mean, some of it is you, the, the home contract might be too loose. It might be too easy for them if they have all this time and energy. And also, the other thing is, is that the complaint that I get from a lot of kids is my parents think I'm lazy. They think I'm not doing anything, but they're, they really are doing a lot of stuff. They're just not talking about it mm -hmm. and they're not doing that. So some of it too is people write these home contracts and they give their kids six months. And then within the two weeks, they're like, they're not doing anything. They're so lazy. And it's like, well, hold on a second. You gave them six months. Like, you know, let them, they might be slow yeah. to start, let them, they, they're not going to approach problems and situations the same way you do. That's great. And I, I did want to say two things. Also, one is that depression can also show up as anger. Mm -hmm. um, and especially I think with 20 somethings, well, I shouldn't say especially with anybody. Uh, and so to be on the lookout for that, these angry outbursts, this constant irritability, anything like that can also mm -hmm. absolutely be depression. Um, and then I was going to ask, 
I definitely have parents who complain about the video games. Mm. And sometimes, of course, if you're really depressed, but I think actually, especially the kids I, I think who I think are anxious, mm-hmm. the video games are like this great checkout, you know, this great way to just relax, you know, and, and self-soothe, so to speak. Um, what, do you, what do you think about video games and rules around that? And what should that look like? Yeah. And, and I think that's a, listen, I have a very anxious kid myself and he does like video games and I see how it, you know, helps him sort of lose himself into another world. I, again, I think that I find your kid has probably been playing video games this entire time. So you know what they're like when they're, when, you know, have you, has this been an ongoing problem? of them playing video games, playing video games. And was it always like when they were a kid, you know, in high school, could you never get them to get off the video games? Mm -hmm. stuff? But if you find like, no, my kid always, he always got off the video games and he always got his work done or she always got her work done. Mm -hmm. It's not such a big deal. I would then, I would then say some of it is just check how you're reacting to it. And not worry so much that, you know, this is now going to become a huge problem. But I am with you. Video games, and we talk about this a lot more now, where video games are an addiction, that it hits the same um, the Pleasure same center. neurons yeah, in our brains that alcohol, drugs, sex, like all these other things, shopping, yeah. you know, <laughs> they hit all those same pleasure places. And I... I come from a place of really having a conversation with your kid about what you're seeing and your concern. And also, again, reiterating and explaining to them that they're, you know, the cone contract says that you're going to have a job by this. So mm-hmm. this is what I'm noticing. This is what I'm seeing. I, I don't understand, you know, it's going to be very hard for you to get a job if you're also playing video games all night long and not getting enough sleep and saying that. So if, for example, if your, and if your kid says, no worries, I'm good, I'm good. And, and they come to you and say, oh gosh, I don't have a job on time. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's March now. And this was the due date and I don't have a job. Then I think then you have a moment of leverage to say, okay, so you want to stay, but the rules have to change because what we were doing before isn't working. That's not working anymore. So we need to create new rules. And the new rule is you don't get the video games. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to stay in our house, you don't get to play video games. Right. Really deciding, you know, and helping them or saying, you know, we, if, if it's their Xbox or whatever it is, you know, we're not going to pay for the, you know, we're not going to allow you to hook it up in our home. You know, really yeah. thinking about what is, what's the limit and what's the hard line. Mm-hmm. Everybody is very different. I think some people do really well with uh, black and white things. Like you can either have it or not. Like you can have sugar or not have sugar, right? <laughs> but and I, but I think other kids are like, they just need a little bit of sugar and a little bit of this over mm-hmm. here. And, and it doesn't, they just need a taste of it. So some of it is figuring out with your kid and strategizing with them. What went wrong? What's going right. on? You know, you, you can't, this isn't, you're not happy and you're playing video games all night. Like, how can we help you not do this? Should we just take it away? And some of it too is maybe all of you guys, I know this is really, really hard, but maybe all of you guys as a family decide, Hey, we're all on electronics too much. Let's all take electronics diet together and Mm -hmm. let's all support John as he tries to get a job and get off of this thing. You can make it a family experience, but if, if, 
after that, it really seemed, I mean, again, I think it's another thing where video games are an addiction and you can, I mean, there are people that specialize in this and you can say to your kid, if you set the new boundary in place, you set the limit for them and they can't stop that much like with drugs and alcohol, like this is a real problem and something's going on with you. And maybe it's, you're depressed, maybe it's, you're anxious. And this is why you're using video games. A lot of people and we, you and I both know this because we both work in drug and alcohol treatment, which is there's a lot of people manage their anxiety, depression by using drugs and alcohol. And we also manage it by sex, shopping, gambling, yep. all these other pieces. Food. As well. <laughs> Food, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so some of this is, is that that might be your uh, clue that it's time to get them evaluated. That's great. Okay. That's, I think that'll be helpful to everybody. So, and this I think leads right into, so do you have any just top tips for how to really help them if stuff is up? If the time is up? If, if they're, you know, they're, you're seeing uh, that the kid is struggling in some way, they're not quite getting their goals. Like, do you have any, like, I don't know, top one, two, three things like do? Yeah. So I would say that you can't, there's certain things that you cannot make, you cannot make decisions for your kids. You cannot motivate them, but you can have conversations with them. I think you have to think about it. Like you're going to be a coach or a therapist yourself. You can have conversations with them around helping them make decisions and helping them get motivated. And, and we've talked a lot about things that you can do to sort of like to stop doing, but there are some things that you can help your kid with, which is, Hey, you know, I know that you're really struggling to write your resume. It's not about you sitting down and writing it for them, but saying, you know, what can we do to help you make this happen? Would you and I like to go to a coffee shop together? We'll sit there and we'll work next to each other and you'll write your resume. I'll do this. Can we, you know, do can we help you get a resume writer? Can I brainstorm with you? Not necessarily holding their hands while they're doing every last thing, but really helping them create um, create boundaries for themselves and goals for themselves to work on. So a lot of coaching is really helping people, okay, what's your goal? Okay, this is your goal. So where are you at now? What are you doing? What's working? What's not working? And how do we help you reach your goal? What are the changes that we need to make? And people don't, while we love like big radical changes, like I'm off sugar, you know, I'm, I'm quitting this, you know, we, we do this to ourselves, but that cold Turkey stuff is very difficult. And when it comes to a lot of changes and habits that we need to make, it's these really small things that we, that we need to do every single day. So some of it is, is saying to your kid, you know, I noticed that you do, you're up late and you're sleeping late and maybe you need to get up at this time. And what do you think about this? And just helping them, like you can say to them, I'll help you. I'll wake you up. But if you fuss at me and you, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to do that anymore, but really helping them figure out what are the small incremental steps that they can take in order to reach that larger goal. And then helping them like, oh, that's a win. That's great. Feel great about that. And then, okay, what's the next win? What's the next win? What's the next win? I think what gets parents, what trips parents up is that they feel like, well, I should tell my kid what kind of job to get. 
And that's always, you know, that's always a disaster because kids will, they'll either, they're either push against it or they will go, they'll say, okay, this is what mom and dad want. And then they'll be, they'll become resentful. So it's really about, oh, okay, you once were really interested in X, Y, and Z. What about a job there? And just helping them think it through and letting them do that. It's, it's, I know it seems, it's a very subtle thing between um, really getting in there and doing it for them versus Mm -hmm. giving them ideas, tools, tips, tricks to help them reach their own goal. Mm -hmm. So you do, you have to be a bit of a, you have to be a bit of a therapist, a bit of a coach to help them, right? Yeah. Figure out what are your goals and helping them hit some milestones and help them get some wins along the way. That's the other part of it too, is you can't make your kid feel more confident, but you can also help your kid and point out the ways in which you're really, really proud of them. Uh, gosh, you know, I'm really proud of you. You've gotten up at eight o'clock every single morning this week, just noticing the things that they're doing well. And start to say, um, uh, you know, help them find ways to build their confidence muscles and going out and doing things. And a lot of times parents will say, you know, you need to get out there and network, network, network. It's a little bit like, well, no, what do they need to do? Okay, why don't you, um, you know, here are five names of people that we know and know really well. They'd be more than happy to talk to you. Why don't you reach out to someone? And then you give it to them and then you walk away. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that CEO consultant thing where you're sort of giving them the tools, giving them the help, and then taking a step back and going, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to wait and see what happens. And also trusting and knowing that your kid isn't going to do things the same way you do it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's right or wrong mm-hmm. or that it's a disaster, that you're, you're all, you all want the same thing. It's just not going to look exactly how you want it to look. Mm-hmm. And that I think is a really, I struggle with this as a parent as well. It's like, it, it's very, very hard because your kids got to figure it out on their own and it's not going to look like how you figured it out. Yeah. And that's, oh. that part's so hard. It is so hard. I love that. <laughs> and I, and I do think a big piece of that, which you alluded to is um, this idea of brainstorming with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think again, as parents, I know I struggle because I tell my kids what to do and that's mm-hmm. never a good answer mm-hmm. um, instead of asking questions, which yes. is what we know to do as therapists and coaches. <laughs> that's what works. We don't you know, sit in the room with people and go, hey, do this, this, and this. We say, well, how was that? And what happened when you tried this? And do you have any other ideas about you know, X or Y? And then from there, maybe saying, oh, well, have you tried this? And, mm-hmm. or what about that? But to really start the conversation with questions and brainstorming and making yeah. sure that your kid is coming up with ideas, not just you coming up with ideas. Yeah. Because it also gets into that codependency thing of, um, and my favorite rule always is, uh, I shouldn't be working harder than the other person. Mm-hmm. So if I'm helping my son or daughter do something, if I'm working harder than them, then I've crossed a line. (laughs) They should at least be working as hard, if not harder than I am when we're doing something. And I, I know that the parents I meet and, you know, that's one of the things they seem to struggle with. They're, well, I told my kid this and this, I gave them all these names for resources they could go, you know, talk to and network. I did this, I did that. It's like, whoa, what has your kid done? And they'll say, well, nothing. And that, I'm like, well, (laughs) then what if you were to back off? What would that look like? And how could you sort of help 
you know, just ask some questions to see what they're ready to do, which is what you talked about earlier, sort of meeting them where they're at, mm -hmm. not way down the road. So maybe they're not ready to network with your friends yet. Maybe they need to just talk more about what they even want Yeah, to know, right, what's next. Yeah, I think what's so hard is is that we we forget that while we say, yeah, I've been 22, I've been 23 before, and we but we our brains don't fully form until we're 25, and we've had so much life experience, we've had so much life, you know, we've been through so many different things that for us, yeah, it is it seems very clear, it seems so obvious, it seems like well, why don't you just do this and then you can do that, and I and I get that feeling, but that's the part that is so hard is is that your kid has to get there themselves. And they're not going to feel good about themselves if they don't get there themselves. They're going to, because I certainly have kids in their late twenties and I've met people in their thirties and forties who said, my parents told me to become an accountant. Now I'm an accountant and I hate it. It's terrible. And, um, they're really, really miserable. And in the beginning, I talked about the 20 something years being about exploration of figuring out who you are. So while you may think that your kid would make a great lawyer, that they might need to go be a barista and then work over here and then work over here to go, oh, I should be a lawyer. But <laughs> And it might seem like, shouldn't they have just gotten there already? It's like, well, no, they need to. They need yeah. to come to these conclusions on their own. Mainly also because what you learn in your 20-something years is around how you make decisions and how you come to conclusions and how you narrow down options and all those things. And so if you go in there and keep doing those things for them, they're never going to learn how to do it. So yes, maybe they needed to have four jobs before they went to law school. And you're thinking, well, they just wasted two years. It's like, well, no, the, those two years were really important. They learned a lot about themselves and they learned a lot about who they are and how they make decisions. And then when they're 35, they're not going to wait two years to do certain things. Right. They're just going to do it, but they know that so well versus being 35 and coming back to you and saying, well, what do I do now? I hate being a lawyer. What am I going to, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Or, and you feeling like, geez, 35, you know, I can't, you can't, you get this together. Um, that's the part that's so important. And I think that that that's that piece about when you're, you know, your kid is learning to walk. So you, you can't walk for them. You can hold on to the, you know, the little hand hold on to you and you can help guide them, but they need to take the steps and how they take the steps and when they fall, where they do that, that's, that's their journey. And that's the part that's really important is, um, not we, as parents, we get very attached to, Oh, my kid's walking or my kid's not walking and getting, having our identity wrapped up in that, which is why I was saying like, go set your intentions, have your own life. You know, you have all your own stuff. And it's when parents try to, that they get what their kid isn't or isn't doing as a, as this meaning of how good you are as a parent or any of that, that's where everything goes awry. So let's just say right here and now for everybody, parenting is hard, period. It is hard. It is hard. It is hard. It's hard for every single one of us. So, and we're all doing the best job that we can. Love that. Oh yeah. my God. I love that. It's so true. Uh, and yeah. really not compare our parenting or yeah. our kids to other people's parenting and their kids and what works, yeah. you know, for them. It's great to listen and be open, um, like to everything we're saying today. And, uh, you also 
at some point need to trust what you're doing, you mm-hmm. know, trust yourself and what you're doing, I think is what you're really saying. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I love it. Okay. So this was great. So helpful. Oh my gosh. I feel like I learned so much. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to kick my kids out of the house. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so uh, I want, what I want the, everyone listening to know where they can find you. And I know, and so everyone knows we're going to have a link to Tess has been wonderful enough to uh, offer her book, which is all about launching your 20 something. Uh, and so we'll have a link to that in the show notes today and Tess, where else can they find you? We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes too, but say it out loud. Uh-huh. So you would go to my website is tessbrigham.com. And to get the book, you would just go to tessbrigham.com slash book. This is an ebook that I wrote that is very, I get right to the point. I give handouts, action steps, things that you can do. I touch upon a lot of the things that we talked about today. And so it is just your guide for if your kid is at home or they're coming home to start thinking about what is it that I need to do? How do I make this successful for both of us? Um, yeah, and that's my website. I am uh, a coach and I work with 20 somethings. And so if you are a parent and you have a kid who needs to launch or you want them to launch, or you just feel like they need some guidance, I uh, reach out to me because I have Uh, I do this year-long program with 20-somethings who are recently graduated or, you know, in their early years where, um, and it's a really awesome year-long, I support your kid, I support you throughout the entire process. And the way I work is there's a lot up front, there's a lot of help. And then I slowly, much like with a parent, (laughs) I slowly take a step back and take a step back and take a step back. And that's what I found to be very, very successful is you need a lot of help in the beginning and then you need to slowly give that person more and more independence. So that's how I, I coach as well. And if if you find that, oh my God, I get so worked up and I can't, I can't, this is too stressful, then this is a great alternative because yeah. it, you can't, we cannot do everything all the time. And your kid, as much as you might know exactly what they need, and I know for myself, when my mother tells me things, I'm always like, ugh, I don't want to listen to that. Um, <laughs> even though she's usually right. Um, your kid might also be resisting you and your advice and your help because you're their parent. And so sometimes it's just helpful to have someone else in the conversation to kind of back it up or reiterate what you're saying and, and also allow you to enjoy your kid so that you're not sitting there helping them write Mm -hmm. their resumes or something. I, I love that. I think that's what, uh, is so great. Um, this idea of taking parents out of the middle because you, yeah. you know, you or someone like you becomes the middle, and I want to really encourage uh, parents to think of that yeah. as you're sort of moving forward with all this. So, uh, okay, so that's it for today. We're going to link to all of Tessa's, you know, ways to find her and get the book and all that in the show notes. Uh, and thank you so much for being on the broadcast, Tessa. Thank you, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thanks. All right, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.